We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic process. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream. Welcome to Great Men Back Then. Here's your host, Lauren Scott. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And welcome to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about, you guessed it, great men. Specifically, great men from American history. Now, I know what you may be thinking right now. How can it be possible that a college student can possibly judge the character of some of the men in our history and call them great? Especially when many of them had tremendous faults and made loads of mistakes. I mean, for crying out loud, more than half of the Founding Fathers owned slaves. My response to that would be this. Yes, many of the men in our history were flawed and made choices that were most definitely not commendable. But I am here to give you the facts. If we take a closer look into the lives of these men, we can better understand just where they're coming from. A lot of people we will focus on have lived through more tragedy and more grief than most people in the 21st century will ever know or understand. Wars, adultery, child loss, and illness all play into the effect of how a person lives their life and makes decisions. For greatness is not about the number of mistakes one makes, but the number of times one overcomes those mistakes and perseveres through hardships. Today we'll be talking about the 18th president of the United States that led the Union to victory in the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant. I have with me here Logan Washburn, a sophomore studying journalism and politics. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm also doing well. I'm super happy that you were able to join us. All right, without further ado, let's jump into it. Logan, your first question. Grant's first name was actually not Ulysses. Do you know what his real first name was? I'll be completely honest. I cannot remember. That's perfectly fine. His real first name was Hiram. Hiram. I knew that, but I couldn't remember it out of the blue. That's all right. (laughs) When was Grant elected as president? I couldn't give you that. (laughs) It's kind of a specific question. He was elected in 1869. How many terms did he serve for? He served for two terms, correct? That is correct. Every president served for two terms until FDR. Oh, yeah. He He served three? Four. Four. Yeah, he ruined it. (laughs) Of course. He ruined everything. When Grant was re-elected, a certain group of Republicans disagreed with his policies, so they decided to split from the Republican Party. What did this group call themselves? Were they the Liberal Republicans? That is correct. They were the Liberal Republicans. Good job, Logan. Thanks. What subject in school did Grant particularly excel in? I'm going to guess history. That is actually incorrect. What was it? It was math. Math. That is the opposite of what I would have expected. It's the opposite of what I excel in, that's for sure. Same here. (laughs) All right, Logan, we're going to move into true or false. And so you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. I like the sound of that. All right, here we go. (laughs) True or false. Grant was one of the best students in his class at West Point. True. 
That is actually false. false. <laughs> he is actually pretty average, um, which is just a nice little fun fact to know because he's famous now. So even you average people out there, there is still hope. I think I remember that. And as a general, until he was put in charge, he wasn't necessarily anything special. Lincoln had to believe in him first. Um, that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lincoln was a huge support. He gave him that initial opportunity that really allowed him to put his um, skills on display. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. True or false? Grant fought in the Mexican-American War with Zachary Taylor. True. That is correct. Well done, Logan. <laughs> True or false? Grant was originally supposed to accompany Lincoln at Ford's Theater the night he was assassinated. True. That again is true. Bonus question. Why did they decide not to go? Because Grant and his wife were supposed to accompany them. So why did the couple decide not to go? I used to know this, but I don't anymore. All right. So Grant's wife could not stand Lincoln's wife. Yes, because Lincoln's wife was a huge gossip. That is true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you ladies who gossip out there, it could save your life, I guess. Or the president's life. Or the president's life. Yeah. All right. True or false. This is my last one for you, Logan. Okay. Grant had no political experience when he became president. Correct. Yes, that is correct. He had absolutely no political experience. He'd actually gotten in a police chase at one point, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. When the officer pulled him over, he recognized that it was Grant and was immediately embarrassed. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's one of those fun facts about his life that I actually do know. <laughs> All right, Logan. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Without further ado, let's jump right back into the life of Ulysses S. Grant. Grant was born on April 27, 1822, and was the oldest of six children. Although his father made good money by being a tanner, the work was brutal, and Grant promised himself he would not pursue this life for himself once he was an adult. Growing up, Grant attended the regular local school where he excelled in mathematics as well as art. As a child, he was very quiet, sensitive, and shy. He remained awfully bored in his classes, and many of his peers mistaked his silence for stupidity. In fact, instead of calling him Ulysses, some of the children would call him useless instead. However, just because Grant's skills were not strongly evident upon first look, that did not mean that he didn't have any. Something that Grant was known for as a child that he even carried on into his adult life was his critical skill in horsemanship. As he grew up on his family's farm, his father trusted him to take care of all of the horses and everyone was always so impressed with how well he dealt with them. This skill is something that would be of great use to him in his military career. His father was always a very encouraging figure in his life who strongly supported Grant's decision to pursue a life for himself. Although Grant's family had enough money to support a family with six children, they did not have enough money to send him to college. However, when they learned that their son could attend West Point Academy for free as long as he served in the Army once he graduated, 
they were completely on board. His father then applied for an, an appointment to the academy for his son without even telling him. However, once Grant found out that he could see a new part of the world and live a new and independent life, it did not take much convincing for him to get on board as well. His journey to West Point has much to do with why he is known as Ulysses S. Grant and not his real name, which is Hiram Ulysses Grant. When his congressman applied for his appointment to the academy, he accidentally wrote down his name as Ulysses Simpson because Simpson was his mother's maiden name. By the time he arrived at West Point, everyone called him Ulysses S. Grant, so he did not even bother trying to correct them. He spent his years at West Point not particularly loving it there. Even though he had been educated, it was at a very basic level and he did not enjoy school in general. However, he continued to love mathematics and horse riding. Everyone was truly impressed with how gifted he was at his riding abilities. Grant's roommate at West Point, Frederick Dent, told him about his sister, Julia, and how he thought that they would be a lovely couple. Dent reached out to his sister and told her that Grant was pure gold. After the couple met, they fell in love instantly and they were engaged in 1844. Fun fact, they were engaged the year that Hillsdale was founded. However, they had to keep this engagement a secret because Julia's father strongly disapproved of her marrying a military man. Just a reminder that you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM and this is Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott. Now, despite the fact that the couple got engaged in 1844, they did not marry until the Mexican-American War ended in 1848. They were a very happy couple, and we have many letters to prove this. The couple would have four children together, three boys and one girl. Their names were Frederick Dent, Ulysses Simpson, Jesse Root, and Ellen, better known as Nellie. Grant's military career kept him away from his family quite a bit, especially when his children were younger. But whatever time he missed with them, he most definitely made up for when he was with them. His children were absolutely in love with their father. He was always gentle and loving with them, and in return, they respected him above anyone else in their life. Any time they would disobey their mother, all Grant would have to do is smile and tell them that their mother knew what was best for them and that they always had to obey her. In the eyes of his children, his word was the law. He loved playing with his children and would never say no to them being around. And when I say never, I mean never. They would climb on his back and even wrap their arms around his neck when he was trying to write letters. This often led to bad handwriting and disheveled papers, but Grant never once complained nor told his children to stop. His favorite out of all the children was his daughter, Nellie. He loved his daughter and always wanted her to be happy to the point where he spoiled her quite badly. The way that he spoiled her even became an item of gossip in Washington. 
However, she was never spoiled to the point where she no longer disrespected her father, but he just wanted her to have any and everything that she wanted. In 1874, Nellie got engaged to an Englishman and Grant highly disapproved of him. He did not believe this man would be a good fit for his daughter due to his lack of maturity and his great vanity. He begged his daughter not to follow through with this marriage, but young Nellie was blinded by young love. In fact, she was only 18 years old and the couple was planning to move overseas after the wedding. The couple was married at the White House and it was a grand social occasion that fascinated many Americans around the world. On the night of the ceremony, Grant was found in Nellie's bedroom, sobbing uncontrollably. The remaining letters we have that Grant wrote to his daughter shows us that he was still very affectionate and loving towards his daughter, even after she married a man who he disapproved of. He often tried to convince her to move back to the United States where they could raise their children as Americans, but this never ended up happening, at least in Grant's lifetime. It was not until after the death of her father that she divorced her husband and moved back to America with her children to live with her mother in Washington, D.C. In 1854, Grant resigned from the army. We are not entirely sure why he resigned, but many people believe it was due to his excess consumption of alcohol. After he resigned, he had a very difficult time supporting his family. Grant was a man who lived his life in accordance with his principles. With that being said, he refused to own any slaves, even if that meant he would struggle to support his family. There was even one Christmas where he pawned his watch for $22 in order to buy presents for his children. He eventually started working for his younger brother at a leather shop in order to provide for his family. Not long after he started working with his brother, the South seceded from the Union and formed the Confederate States of America. The North desperately needed experienced officers, so Grant stepped up to the plate. He was in charge of a volunteer regiment that no one had been able to train. He was able to implement discipline within these men and he eventually won their respect. The Civil War had broken out and there was no stopping the South and their relentless soldiers. Many people were growing weary of the Northern General George McClellan. He was known as the general who did not fight to win, but he only fought to avoid losing. With that being said, he was always extremely overcautious to the point where he was viewed as a cowardice general. Now, because of the ineffectiveness of McClellan's strategies, President Lincoln appointed Grant as the general who would lead the North to victory. The clash at Belmont in 1861 was the first time Grant led his men in a major engagement. The Union Army displayed something that they had never displayed before, and that was the willingness to fight. It was after this encounter that Grant later wrote about the enemy, quote, I never forgot that he had as much reason to fear my forces as I had his, end quote. 
This new mentality gave him and his men the courage and ambition they needed to capture Fort Donelson and Fort Henry in 1862. Both of these accomplishments were very significant, especially the capturing of Fort Donelson. He accepted the surrender of an entire Confederate force, earning himself the nickname Unconditional Surrender Grant. This was also the first significant victory of the North, and it led to Grant's nationwide fame after he received his new position of Major General. There was no doubt that Grant was relentless and would fight until victory was theirs. Anyone who encountered Grant was astonished by his stoic presence, even in the face of bloody war. He remained calm always, and his commands were always clear and concise. Just a reminder that you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and this is Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott. His strategies led to the South Surrender of Vicksburg, which meant that the North now had full control of the Mississippi River. This was extremely important because it shut down the Confederates' trade and transportation. After hearing of the Northern victory, President Lincoln said, quote, Grant is my man and I am his, end quote. It was late in 1864 that the South simply lost their will to fight. Grant's ambition and relentless attacks led to the surrender in 1865. In just four years, Grant went from a man who was struggling to support his family to one of the most well-known men in the nation. In 1866, he was named General of the Armies, a rank that had been given to no other man except George Washington. After the Civil War, the nation was completely torn apart. On top of the controversy that surrounded black civil rights, the nation also had to deal with the assassination of their beloved President Lincoln. Now more than ever, the nation needed a strong leader like Lincoln to unite the country and settle all the disputes with peace. Andrew Johnson became the president who would attempt to reconstruct America after the war, but he failed miserably. The nation was looking for a man who would unite them and lead them in a way that would bring peace. In the eyes of the American people, there was no man more fitting for this job than the man who brought the Union to victory, General Grant. As president, Grant stayed true to what he believed by supporting civil rights for all African Americans and even federal government intervention in the South towards hateful Southerners. He was very adamant about both of these things, which led to the split of the Republican Party. Those who did not agree with how Grant supported civil rights for blacks split from the party and formed into a group called the Liberal Republicans. However, this group was not really a threat, which led to Grant winning the election of 1872 perhaps even more easily than he won the first one. With his re-election came an immense Republican majority into both houses of Congress. Grant decided to run for only two terms and then pursue his dream of traveling after he retired. Starting in the year of 1876, Grant and his wife traveled to many places all over the world. He was greeted as a hero who preserved America's democracy everywhere he went. When he returned to America a couple years later, 
He found that his popularity had remained strong throughout the nation, so he decided to run for president again in the year of 1880. However, despite his popularity amongst many Republicans in the nation, he underestimated his enemies even within his own party, and he did not end up winning the election. After his defeat in the election of 1880, Grant was in some serious financial trouble. On top of all of his financial struggles, he was diagnosed with throat cancer, and he knew that his days were very limited. Determined to leave his family with some sort of inheritance, he decided to then write a book about his life as general in the Civil War. Now, although Century Magazine offered to publish this book for him, Mark Twain proposed a better offer. He ended up publishing his book through Twain's publishing company. Grant spent his last days on his porch writing his book. Wrapped in blankets and frail as can be, he was determined to leave his family with a comfortable life. During this process, the cancer took away Grant's ability to speak, so writing was not only his way of life and the way he was able to communicate, but it would soon pave the way for his family to enjoy their lives as this book would set them up for success. It was the last thing he did to show his love for them. Grant died on July 23, 1885, just days before he finished his book. His book was a huge success, which led to his family being taken care of financially for the rest of their lives. His funeral had over one million people show up, and people all over the nation honored Grant for the noble and brave soldier, father, and president that he was. Grant was a man who remained true to his beliefs even in the face of adversity, and because of that, I argue he was a great man. He was great for refusing to own slaves even whenever he would become poor because of it. He was great for being a loving father and giving his children the best life possible. He was great for leading the North to victory in the Civil War, which led to the freeing of the slaves in the United States. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about great men who shaped our nation into what it is today. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode and even learned something new about Ulysses S. Grant, or should I say Ulysses Hiram Grant. Come back next week as we will talk about another great man on Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.